0: Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.
1: This week's show is dedicated to our good friend Jenna Lee. I hope these shows bring you a smile and a few laughs as you continue your fight. It's the Stream Police podcast for August 3rd, 2015. The Stream Police podcast is brought to you by OverdueReview.com. Looking for a Netflix recommendation that's worth two hours of your time? Or a forgotten album that's worth picking up on iTunes? OverdueReview.com is your destination for unbiased, unpretentious, thoughtful opinions on movies, TV, and music from every era. OverdueReview.com. Better late. Hello, friends, old and new, and welcome back to another edition of the Stream Police Podcast. However you're listening to the show, thank you very much for tuning in, subscribing, checking it out for the first time, whatever it is. If you're a fan of uh, television, movies, music, which, come on, who isn't uh, these days? I mean, it's like meeting somebody who says they don't like music. I and mean, that, that's 30 years ago, that was the same now as saying as meeting someone who said they didn't like television or didn't like movies. Uh, I mean, we're all in this boat together. It's just... You know we've got a little bit of time to uh, navigate the stream of all the crap out there and find out you know what's what's worth your time? what's worth two hours on Netflix? what's worth way longer than that if it's a TV series? I mean you know essentially if you're gonna sit down and watch a show, you're gonna devote at least at very least like twenty four to forty eight hours of your life to this program and that would be for like a short run series so uh welcome into the show. that's kind of what we do here. We uh, give you some Netflix recommendations. Um, we give you some music recommendations. Talk about movies. We talk about tons of stuff on here uh, about media news. A lot of things to hit on uh, on the stream. Police. I'm Clint Davis, the uh, movies and television editor at OverdueReview.com, and uh, we'll be hearing a little bit later from our music editor Andy Sedlak. Always, uh, always glad to hear what he's got uh, on the burner and uh, ready to run right to Spotify or iTunes and download some stuff uh, when he's uh, when he's talking about it. So. Uh, welcome into the show. Uh, this week we've got a lot to get to, so I'm going to jump right into it. Uh, I do want to urge you to go over uh, to the website, OverdueReview.com, and take our listener survey. If you are listening to the show, if you've listened to a couple episodes especially, go to the website. Uh, the link can be found right on the homepage, and also, um, if you go to the Stream Police podcast page uh, up at the top of the website, um, just click it, take uh, take the survey, take a couple of minutes, please, and let us know you know what you like about the show and what I guess could be better. Uh, if anything, about the Stream Police podcast. Um, also, if you're listening to the show, if this is your first time listening or you've listened to a few episodes, rate it, rate our show uh, on iTunes because the show is on iTunes now. So uh, you can subscribe to it through the iTunes podcast store right there on the podcast app on your iPhone. If you haven't discovered that one yet, uh, that is a very easy way to get every new episode every two weeks when we come out with one. Um, and uh, just, just go ahead and go on to iTunes. And please rate the show, though, because you've done this i mean if you've downloaded an app or a game or anything from the itunes app store usually one of the big things you look at is how many stars does it have and uh so far our show has not been rated yet on itunes so uh, we'd love to have some people go on there and jump uh, on it and give some ratings give your honest take on it uh write some comments but especially if you've got like really good comments and you want to give us a high rating that would be awesome to uh, have a couple of those on the iTunes store since we're still, you know, very much in the infancy of this show. We've only been doing it for a couple of months, and this is episode eight after all. Uh, But yeah, welcome uh, very much into the show. Uh, Once again, I'm Clint Davis, and uh, I'm going to go ahead and start off by talking about a television series. I usually like to start by talking about a TV show or a movie that I've watched recently that I feel like you should get into, or sometimes maybe I'll slap it down like I did last week with uh, a little bit with Trainwreck. I'm going to get to more on Trainwreck in, in a bit, actually, because I was thinking about it more. I didn't crap all over Trainwreck. I thought it was, I, I thought it was a pretty good movie. I mean, really, I'd give it, I'd probably give it three stars out of five. So it's a, you know pretty decent rating and 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 a recommendation, but not a hard recommendation. Just kind of a soft recommendation. And once again, it wasn't because of Amy Schumer. It was because of, I feel like Judd Apatow, the director, really kind of tanked that one a little bit. But I want to talk about a show that I recommend whole. Heartedly to start things out because I've been watching it again now on the HBO Go app, and that would be Veep. Um, this is a, a comedy series that is about, as the title may suggest, the Vice President of the United States, a woman named Selena Meyer, who's played by Julia Louis Dreyfus, of course from uh, Seinfeld, New Adventures of Old Christine. Uh, she's really just been—I um, mean, I mean, she has been a constant figure on American television since. The early, early 1990s, and really into the 80s because she was on SNL, Uh, but Julia Wee dreyfus is on this show doing, I feel like, the best work of her career. I feel like it's better than the stuff she did on Seinfeld, even, and she owns... The show, every time she's on screen, even though it's got one of the best ensembles that I've seen in a comedy series ever. I mean, I would put it up on the level of like Modern Family as far as the ensemble goes, and maybe even better as far as the cast. Uh, But this show, if there's been a consistently funnier TV show than Veep in the past five years, I don't know that I've seen it. Now, critically, it's compared a lot to Louie on FX, and Louie is certainly worthy of all the praise it gets, but it's a much slower paced show that is still, like, unflinching. It's got a very dark, uh, you know, mood. But Veep takes place, you know, in, like, the highest office of... The United States, the highest political office, of course, but it's the vice president, so she has like no power. She's constantly frustrated by this, but you also get the sense that maybe she doesn't want very much power because she doesn't really know what she'd do with it all the time, um, and she's quick to get frustrated. And she's—it's uh, just—it's a fascinating show to watch. A lot of good dynamics between the cast. The entire cast pulls uh, pulls its weight. Um, really, there's no weak link uh, on the show. But obviously, as I said, Julia Louis Dreyfus is the star. And, uh, I mean, she's just doing great, great work, so sharp, uh, so funny. She's likable sometimes, but most of the time she's not likable. A lot of the characters on the show are not, um, as is kind of the, uh, really the, like, the M.O. du jour right now of television, um, really, of the last, like, five years, I would say. It's really five to ten years, I would say is making your main characters not that likable. It's kind of a it's kind of run its course at this point, but this show does a very nice job of it because you do like Selena sometimes, you do root for her, but you know, sometimes she's just a she's she's just a political windbag like a lot of people are and a two-face. Uh, the jokes come though at such a rapid-fire pace on Veep that you'll probably miss at least a handful of them every episode uh, because you're busy laughing over some of them. I mean, that's the case with me. I, I don't laugh out loud all the time when I'm watching shows, but Veep makes me laugh out loud almost more than any other show I've watched. I compare it a lot to Arrested Development as far as the fast, how fast-paced it is, the big cast. If you've got HBO Go, though, and you're looking for like a minimal level of engagement with a new show, because let's face it, HBO's shows are like a bear to get into. Like If you've never gotten into The Wire, or you've never gotten into Sopranos, or you've never gotten into Game of Thrones, the prospect of sitting and starting those is intimidating. Those are intimidating Shows uh, that take a lot of hours, a lot of thought, a lot of depth in those programs. Veep is, is not that it's not deep. It's really not that deep, but it, it is uh, very smart. And um, it, it's just it's, it's a hilarious show. And it doesn't take a lot of engagement uh, really to watch it. It skewers Washington in a way that is so brutal that you have to wonder where they got their intel. And it'll frankly scare you. Um, about the political process, especially since we got the election going on now, you just wonder how much of this stuff really happens um and, and I do feel like Selena Meyer, the main character, is a strong female lead um, She leans on and berates her staff a lot, but she's very brainy, she's very confident most of the time and unapologetic for things in her personal life, like she had a failed marriage, she's divorced um, and she doesn't spend very much time with her daughter, but she doesn't apologize and um she's she really doesn't ask anybody's permission for anything and I think Uh, That's really what makes a great character, male or female. So uh, Veep is one certainly to watch if you've got HBO, if you've got HBO Go, um, or if you're on a a free trial or something. uh, Flip on Veep. There's four seasons of it so far, 30-minute episodes. Um, It's still running. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it won't take you very much time to rip through it because it's like 12 episodes a season and uh, just a hilarious, fast-paced, very good show. One of HBO's best comedies that they've uh, ever aired, I would say, without hyperbole.
0: Hey Gary, what are some of the other nicknames? Oh come on, this is masochism No it's not, I have very thick skin I'm just interested, that's all
1: It's just various VP things You know, like using the initials VP jokingly Like
0: what? A a vaguely personable Viagra prohibitor Visible panties Viagra
1: prohibitor? (laughs) (laughs) Why?
0: Because when a guy's with me, he doesn't need Viagra (laughs) No, it means that even if a guy uses it it doesn't work? They are saying that a prescription medication that is supposed to guarantee a strong and sustained erection in all men despite their age or their health is, is rendered ineffective by me? You know what? You no longer search on the nickname. You said you had thick skin. Wait, wait, wait. what about V-PILF? No, huh? That's no flattering. Gary, no. no you Gary. know what
1: that means? Vice President, mm-hmm. I would like to, you know fool around with. All right, let's uh, get to a, a couple other things. I, I told you that I wanted to mention Trainwreck um, again. La- on last week's episode of The Stream Police, I talked in depth about the movie and kind of gave my review of it right after I had seen it. Uh, but I was thinking about the movie more. And, and really, the the biggest problem that I had with Trainwreck is something that I've seen in many films. I, I work outside of this. My day job is I work as a journalist Um, And I've been in journalism and broadcasting for um, almost 10 years and worked around a lot of very, very good co-workers and very good female co-workers. But what a movie like Trainwreck does, which stars Amy Schumer as this magazine writer, is that it completely generalizes and, and really disrespects female journalists, as I've seen in many, many movies. Now, stick with me here. Uh, because if you 're not in the business, you might not might not care about this, but you 'll notice what i 'm talking about when I start to mention some of these movies. Uh, the way that female journalists are depicted on TV and in movies they have to sleep with their subjects in order to get big stories and they almost always have no redeeming qualities aside from being like no nonsense disciplined uh, uh, disciplined employees and a, 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 a no you know apologies approach to their work and the truth. So really, it's not flattering a female journalist. I feel like. Male journalists, it's much kinder, too, and I'll get to that in a minute. But female journalists mostly get the shaft, I feel like, literally and figuratively, in movies and uh, in television. And Trainwreck went to, you know, further this trope that's so bad. Uh, Amy in Trainwreck is a, is a magazine writer. She sleeps with the subject of a story that she's trying to write. And if you know anything about journalism, that's like the worst thing you could do ethically, getting personally involved with a source on a story. But it happens all the time in movies. Now, Amy in Trainwreck sleeps with everybody. That's kind of one of her defining, uh, that's one of her defining characteristics. Uh, but you know, the fact that she sleeps with her sto- the subject of her story, disappointing. And I felt like you know it went back again to this thing that I've seen in countless movies and TV shows. And here's a few of them that came up on the top of my head that I thought of: Veronica, the character played by Gina Davis in The Fly. If you ever saw that movie. Her character might be the worst of all of them in this trope, because not only does she sleep with the subject of her story, but she sleeps with the editor at the magazine that she writes for. And she's like a brainy science writer, technology writer. But still, she's got to sleep with the guy that she's covering, and she's got to sleep with her boss. What does that tell you? It makes you you think. If you're like John Q. Public, don't know anything about journalism, oh female journalists, I mean, if they get got to where they were, I mean Barbara Walters, God, she must have screwed half of the uh you know presidents of the United States to get the interviews she did. Diane Sawyer, oh my God, she must have screwed this celebrity and this celebrity and this celebrity. And it's not true. I mean, not that I know of, but I I would like to think it's not true. And I've known plenty of female journalists and and uh you know ones that did not sleep with their subjects. Uh Lois Lane in Superman, she always ends up with with Superman. Uh, It's a guy that she's covering for stories. And, uh, you know, having worked in newsrooms myself, I feel like it makes more sense for Lois Lane to end up with Clark Kent because people in newsrooms usually end up sleeping with each other or marrying each other or whatever. But instead, she ends up with the guy that she's covered for so many stories. Uh, Also, Zoe in House of Cards, this was a big one. Zoe Barnes was a character played by Kate Mara in the first uh, um, season and a half of House of Cards, and she willingly screws around with a congressman, played by Kevin Spacey, to get inside information. And, of course, in the end, I guess she pays the ultimate price for uh, for her ethical uh, screw-up. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's another example. Also, uh, watch watched the movie Top Five, the uh, uh, Chris Rock movie, um, just a couple months ago, and Chelsea, the... Uh, one of the lead characters in that. She's a magazine writer uh, covering Chris Rock's character. She doesn't technically have sex with Chris Rock during the film, but they come very close to it after they're making out in a club bathroom. Um, And of course, at the end, there's some kind of romantic relationship involved between them. But once again, he's the subject of hers that she's covering for a newspaper. Uh, Jean in Crazy Heart, played by Maggie Gyllenhaal. She sleeps with Jeff Bridges' uh, aged country star while on assignment to write a story about him. I mean, He's, like, double, triple her age, and she still screws him, and she's writing a story about him. I mean, once again. And and finally, uh, Sandra in Scoop, uh, Scarlett Johansson, played this character. Even Woody Allen, who wrote that movie, had to put this trope into one of his movies. Uh, Scarlett Johansson's character has sex with a movie director that she's covering for a story, and in the end, she's actually rewarded for her great work on the page, which she got by doing great work in the bed, I guess. Um, it, there's just there's tons of examples of this, and I was disappointed to see it come up in in Schumer's train wreck because she's smart and she is such a feminist icon. She doesn't need to, you know, further one of these really just awful. I, I mean, it's just, you know, think about it. There have not really been very many good female journalist characters in movies, but for men, on the other side, the male journalist characters are always inspiring. Like James Woods in Salvador, Jake Gyllenhaal in Zodiac, Al Pacino in The Insider, uh, Robert Redford, Dustin Hoffman and All the President's Men, Russell Crowe in State of Play. You know, most of those characters were based on real journalists who don't regularly sleep with sources. Uh, But I I just feel like it's time for movies. Maybe we need a movie about a real female journalist, a a woman who actually existed and who didn't have to spread her legs to get a huge story because that's not the way it goes in real life. But it is always the way it goes on screen. And, you know, you can say it's fiction, but it it goes a long way in people's minds. Uh, Subconsciously, after seeing that over and over and over again, there are a lot of people that would generalize. Well, that's the way that uh, that's the way that so-and-so reporter got their job. So sad to see. And I was just thinking about it more and I wanted to mention it. It was something kind of important to me from working in that business. So uh, anyways. Let's move on. Uh, Another big story that came out of media since the last time we spoke here on the stream police is uh, HBO landing one of the big fish in sports media, Bill Simmons. Uh, Bill Simmons going to HBO. Now, if you're not a sports fan, you might want to you might feel like you want to tune this out. But um, I'd recommend not because uh, really Simmons is a guy that's done a lot of uh, work that was I feel like great for people who are not sports fans to watch. And that would be his producer's uh, credits that he got doing the 30 for 30 series for ESPN, which I still maintain are some of the best work ever done in sports uh, television. And those movies, I think all of them, if not all of them, most of them are on Netflix. Now, if you just search 30 for 30, you'll find and and watch any of them. I mean, they are just they're fantastic. My favorite one of all time was June 17th, 1994. That's the name of the movie. Um, and, And I just feel like that is a fascinating look at how, uh, you know, what happens on a given day and how we can forget how close in time things happen. And and, and it's just like sitting around watching TV on the greatest day of television in history. Uh, But Simmons to HBO. Bill Simmons, he's a pompous douchebag, but he is a hell of a producer. And like I said, 30 for 30 was the best thing to hit sports TV in years, and he was really one of the driving forces behind it. HBO Sports, I feel like they've already got a strong brand. Thanks to the show Real Sports with Bryant Gumbel, also their boxing coverage and some of the documentaries they've done over the years. Uh, over the years, they did announce that Simmons is going to get a chat show uh, on TV, which HBO tried a couple years ago with Joe Buck Live. If you remember that one, that was the show that Artie Lang uh, famously was one of the first you know, was one of the guests on the first episode, and he like completely took over the show and and just ran Joe into the ground, and basically was the cause of the show not being renewed again. Joe, TMZ is your favorite website? <laughs> was... I thought, uh, what's your second? sucking.com? C- <laughs> yeah. Give it up! Give it up! Yeah! <laughs> I'm on TMZ constantly.
0: <laughs> Did you
1: see what Angelina was wearing today? Uh,
0: what the f- how about going to a sports website for Christ's sake? <laughs>
1: Jason, would you like to follow that? So I feel like Simmons' chat show is probably going to be a dud uh, because he's not very good on the air. He talks down to people. He's, uh, like I said, he's pompous. He's pretentious. And Simmons is just not a likable guy. So I don't feel like his talk show is going to be very good unless they get – they don't completely just let him dominate the whole thing So and get his buddies on there. Um, so – you know, I, I think him going to HBO is good for him because he can do a lot of great things with the movies and, and that kind of thing um, and the freedom that HBO offers. But his talk show, I feel like, is going to get very tiring very quickly. All right, I'm going to take a break, and I'm going to toss things uh, over to my friend Andy Sedlak, the music editor at OverdueReview.com. We'll see what uh, he's got on the burner this week.
0: Mother's Day is around the corner. Alright guys, let's dive in. I want to start with a song that I have been obsessing over. It was just released last year, but it sounds like it could have been recorded in 1928. It's got this whole vaudeville thing going on.
1: Feel as though you were friendless. Then look back to joys that you left behind. Did those hours when you sat alone seem endless? Well, I know just what ails you, weary mind.
0: That's Leon Redbones want to go back again blues and it hit me just right and i think it's probably that old combination of good timing and just being a quality song but i've been listening to it over and over and over again i feel like heading into a speakeasy when
1: just a field of rain, shady lane, make you long for home once again
0: All right, now let's get to it. Some guys are more interesting than the music they make. John Legend is definitely more interesting than the music he makes. I usually feel the same way about John Bon Jovi. Ed Sheeran is more interesting than the music he makes. So is Iggy Azalea, uh, which I touched on in a previous piece for Overdue Review. Guys like Dave Grohl, Justin Timberlake, they're right on the line. But you know who is definitely more interesting than the music he makes? Chris Brown. Now, you can't make this up. He was stuck in the Philippines recently for a few days. The official explanation according to uh, Billboard.com, which I'm reading from right now, is because he ran, I love this, ran afoul of a politically powerful religious group that filed a fraud complaint against him for a canceled concert. Turns out he basically just didn't show up for a New Year's Eve show. He was detained for a few days, even reached out to President Obama for help. He's now out of the country. The case is not closed, however. All of this happened as a new collaboration with Rita Ora called Body On Me was about to drop. What's it like To be Chris Brown. The guy, looking back, the guy has had a hell of a run in the headlines. Some good, lots of bad. Have you heard him speak? Sometimes he makes sense.
1: I think every artist goes through that, too. Especially for me, like, you know, being influential, you know, to different groups and different cultures of people. Sometimes you just want to be cool with just your group of peers. You know what I'm saying? So you don't really know who to trust or who to just be like, okay, cool.
0: And sometimes he does not. What's going on now is that recently the restraining order against uh-huh. you that Rihanna had uh, had issued has been
1: relaxed. Have yeah. you all, uh, you can go to, uh, to um, uh, events and be in the same same room. Have you all seen each other, been around each other? I mean, I mean not really. I mean, it's not really a big deal to me now as far as that situation. Mm-hmm. I think I'm past that in my life. And I think today is the album day, so that's what I'm focused on. So everybody go get that album.
0: My point is there's a whole range there. I guess you would have to call it life experience. So why isn't his music more interesting? He does write. I did some research. He has writing credits on like four tracks on his first album, maybe half of the tracks on his second album. But by his third album, he's released six. He gets writing credits on almost every track. So why isn't his stuff more interesting? interesting because writing credits don't necessarily mean that you've been in control there are always lots of cooks in the kitchen on a chris brown album let me give you an example he had a song called loyal on his last record featured little wayne 18 writers are credited on that track that's like Half of Interscope these days. This 2012 album called Fortune featured 28 producers by my count. That's twice the number of tracks on the album, and that's not counting executive producers. Of the 13 tracks that appeared on 2011's Fame, there were eight guest spots. Again, lots of cooks in Chris's kitchen. I did some reading about Chris Brown. After a rough childhood, the Talented Brown was hooked up with a local production team at the age of like 13. That's basically someone who is coaching you on how to sound. Demo packages were developed. Brown wound up signing with Jive Records. He later told a reporter it was because they were so successful with Britney Spears and Justin Timberlake. What I'm trying to get at here is that Chris Brown has been following the crowd his whole life. Run out some of those dudes that are just hanging on, Chris. Spin the wheel. Do it while you still got an audience. I could do this whole episode on Chris Brown. <laughs> I won't. But I could. You know what sucks? The Gaslight Anthem is taking uh, what they're calling an indefinite hiatus. I know the now. They posted the announcement on their Facebook page. Band members will be working on solo projects. They're currently on tour in the U.K. right now. But when that wraps, that might be it. We live in a society that focuses on front men. So let me focus on Brian Fallon. He wrote all their songs anyway. He was born in Red Bank, New Jersey in 1980. He's 35 years old. means he's still got some good years ahead of him. He put together a side project a few years ago called The Horrible Crows. They released one of my favorite albums of like this decade. It was called Elsie. There was a song on there called Behold the Hurricane Freaking Barn Burner. It's such a shame. I heard the- There's also a hell of a groove song called I Witnessed a Crime. My hope is that the guys in Gaslight will carry on, populate our culture with more talent. Can't force it by staying together. We tend to give props to bands Uh, who can do it for long periods of time, and rightfully so. But do you know how hard that is? You get tired of your coworkers, right? Try living with them. Or negotiating your salary with them. It's a rough comparison, but you see where I'm going with it. It almost runs against our human nature. Maybe that's why we do give props to acts that can make it. They actually seem to defy human nature. Dr. Dre is releasing new music. Why didn't I lead with that? It's because my expectations aren't that high. Those expectations have already been taken down a notch. I'm not expecting to hear this.
1: Still Snoop Dogg and D. I. D. I. D. I. Guess who's back? Ste-
0: Still doing this, Andre? Oh, for sure. Or this. So where's all the mad rappers at? It's like a jungle in a sabbat, with all you savage cats know I was strapped with gas when you were cuddling a cabbage patch. I'm expecting more like what we heard from his from his one weak ass verse on I Need a Doctor. This is supposed to be his song, a Conquering Hero. He gave us one verse. You gonna see us in our lab jackets and ask where the fuck we've been. You- Kiss my indecisive bass track It came out in 2011. After I heard it, I thought, all right, Dre's officially too big for rap. Like, he doesn't need rap anymore. But the new music will be released uh, is like a, a companion record to the NWA biopic called Straight Out of Compton. The movie comes out later this month. I'm going to say the 14th of August. The record comes out August 7th. Now, I'm not sure. If any tracks were originally Detox tracks, that's the album he's been working on since like 2002. There may be a version of Detox still in the vault somewhere. Dre is quoted as to saying he won't release it because it's just not very good. I do know that some of the beats he originally had lined up for Detox ended up on other guys' albums over the years. 50 Cent's Into Club, I believe was at one point considered for detox that beat. The game's documentary also has some detox beats. I'll buy the straight out of Compton soundtrack. I think it's called just Compton. And I'll probably buy it the day it's released. And I, I'm telling you, I hope I'm surprised and I hope that soundtrack like does not leave my car for weeks. I just don't see it though before I get out of here let me give you five songs that may get you through the week okay one is Transverse City by Warren Zevon. a place for you and me. We'll go down to City. life is cheap and death is free. another is waiting for tonight by Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. I've been waiting for Next, I've got Coolio's Got a Thing Going On.
1: Me and Mrs. Jones got a thing going on. I wouldn't call to love, but it's damn so strong.
0: And I'm going to throw Rodney Atkins' Farmer's Daughter at you.
1: Just when I thought it couldn't get no hotter, I caught of the Farmer's Daughter.
0: And finally, a track that's always meant a great deal to me, Boston's Amanda. I'm going to tell you that That's it.
1: Good luck. Talk to you in a couple weeks. All right. Thank you very much, Mr. Sedlak. And I do want to mention that uh, new music that I've got there going uh, into his his portion of the show is uh, from BetterWithMusic dot com, and uh, that was some. Uh... Some more really good Creative Commons. Uh, I-, I talked about this a couple episodes ago. How uh, you know we do the show for no money, and we do not uh, have any advertisements as of yet. Anyways, at least on the website or on the program. So uh, you know we we got to get some some tunes that we're able to use without getting our asses sued. And I feel like uh, that's a- that's a pretty good one. So once again, BetterWithMusic.com. If you're looking for any kind of free tunes that you can use on uh, videos and-, and audio and all kinds of stuff like that. Uh, Taking it back from, from Andy, once again, I'm Clint Davis, movies and TV editor over at overduereview.com. I urge you to go over to the website and to uh, email me anytime you have questions, uh, requests, uh, topics, comments, whatever. TheClintDavis at gmail.com, T H E, Davis at gmail.com. And I'm on Twitter at Mr. Clint Davis, M R Clint Davis. Um, all right, coming back now, I want to mention uh, I, I talk a lot about Netflix, I talk a lot about Amazon Prime. Hulu for good reasons. Those are the big players in the uh, streaming, you know, video on demand subscription services. But there's another one that you can use for free if you maybe don't have the money for Hulu Plus or for Netflix or whatever, um, or if you're just looking for something else to watch some movies and television on. And once again, it is free. That would be Crackle. This is a, a streaming service owned by Sony and. It's it's a good way to legally stream movies and TV shows once again for free if you're willing to sit through uh, advertisements which you know Hulu makes you do even though you have to pay a subscription so the fact that Crackle does that not such a bad thing Um, but once again it is free to use they've got an app uh, that I know is on like PlayStation three PlayStation four I'm not sure if it's on Xbox since it's owned by Sony I know it's on PlayStation. Uh, but you can go to the website crackle.com and watch things right there. You don't even have to sign in. Like you don't even have to have a free subscription. You just can can go there immediately and start watching things uh, on your lunch break or whatever. It's uh, it's it's pretty helpful, and they do have some good stuff on there. Uh, the, the biggest complaint about Crackle for me is that the ad placement can be frustrating if you're watching a show that did not have commercials originally. Like, I was going back and watching uh, HBO's The Larry Sanders Show on there because it's the only place you can stream it. HBO Go does not even have The Larry Sanders Show on it, but Crackle does. Uh, so I recently went back, started watching The Larry Sanders Show, and fell back in love with that series Um, They've got the first three seasons of that show available um, on Crackle, and I couldn't recommend that one more. If you're into, like, a look at entertainment, the show takes place. stars Gary Shandling as Larry Sanders, a guy who hosts a late-night television talk show. And it's got celebrities doing great cameos of themselves, making fun of themselves, um, and and just some really – Jeffrey Tambor, who is from Transparent and was from Arrested Development, so funny on the Larry Sanders show as, like, his Ed McMahon sidekick – um, and just just one of the he, – he plays one of the great characters, I feel like, in TV history um, on there. But, yeah, Larry Sanders right now is there. They have a couple of uh, other good shows on Crackle right now as well. They've got Married with Children, uh, The Shield, All in the Family, um, Seinfeld. But with those shows, they do not have the whole series. So none of those – it's not the whole series. Like with Larry Sanders, it's the first three seasons. And then with Married with Children, it's like season seven right now. And then they'll have like season eight – coming next and you know whatever with the shield it's certain seasons on the family it's certain seasons and with Seinfeld they have they they every month have a new collection of 10 episodes from throughout the show that fit a certain theme Um, which is fine with Seinfeld because it's not a really a linear show doesn't matter what order you really watch the episodes in so um, if you want to watch some Seinfeld and you don't want to pay for Hulu Crackle's a good way to do it and catch a few episodes at least, a few of the classic episodes. They also have movies on there right now. They've got Man on the Moon, uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, Layer Cake. Uh, those are some of the uh, ones that are favorites of mine that are on crackle right now and they've also got joe dirt 2 this one was made exclusively for crackle and allegedly it's been watched by a few hundred thousand people since premiering uh, on crackle earlier this summer so i did want to recommend that for anyone who is uh, looking for like a cost conscious way to stream some movies and tv crackle's pretty good it's not as robust and it's not i don't feel like quite as user-friendly or well designed as the netflix app hulu app all that kind of stuff but it's it's a, it's a pretty solid service if you're looking for something free. It's got good shows and, uh, and good movies on it updated regularly. Uh, Netflix recommendations. Let, let me give you a couple of uh, movies to put on your Netflix list if you haven't seen these. Uh, before I get to my recommendations, though, I do want to praise Netflix a little bit because this week at the TV Critics uh, Conference that's been going on in New York – Netflix once again announced that it is going to continue to hide ratings information for its shows. If you don't know this, Netflix has never released numbers as far as how many subscriptions they have, how many people watch certain movies, how many people watch certain shows. And that is famously something that they do. And I want to applaud them for it. Uh, because I feel like, you know, in television, ratings are so overrated. We talk all the time on this show, just in in eight episodes, about shows that were canceled uh, because they didn't have good ratings, but people loved them. And, uh, I mean, they went on to live on 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 DVD, but fans were let down because they never got to finish the series. Uh, and, And, you know, I'm sure that the people at Netflix do use ratings behind the scenes to dictate some of the content decisions they make, but not broadcasting them to everyone keeps pundits from, like, banging drums when a show gets canceled or gets picked up. I just feel like content is king and Netflix really are the guys that are, uh, are, are pushing that agenda, that content is king and it should forever be. We just we don't need to know if House of Cards is as popular as everyone thinks it is or how many people really watch Orange is the New Black. I feel like the fact that we just imagine that those shows are these powerful, popular juggernauts is what makes them all the more mysterious. All right, excuse me. A couple of uh, recommendations for your Netflix queue. Uh, I've got three for you this week. Starship Troopers from 1997. This was uh, directed by Paul Verhoeven. He's the guy that did Basic Instinct, Total Recall, and Robocop, the originals of uh, both of those last two movies. Uh, Starship Troopers, if you look at the picture for it, or like posters or whatever, you're going to think it's this sci fi 'em up And it kind of is, but it's also funny, and it's like a rare satirical action movie. It's a very smart movie, especially when you get to the end and Verhoeven like, kicks the audience in the balls and makes the audience pay for its loyalty to the quote-unquote good guys um, at the end of the movie. Also, it's got good-looking people firing big guns at giant bugs and taking showers together. So it's, uh, it's good for a lot of reasons. Starship Troopers is a really a great movie and just a, a very original uh, movie. Uh, I recommend that and That's on Netflix now. Look, When you vote, you are exercising political authority. You're using force. Enforce, my friends,
0: is violence. The supreme authority from which all other authority is derived. Uh, my mother always said violence never solves anything.
1: Really? I wonder what the city fathers of Hiroshima would say about that. You.
0: They probably wouldn't say anything. Hiroshima was destroyed. Correct. Naked force has resolved more issues throughout history than any other factor.
1: The contrary opinion that violence never solves anything. Is wishful thinking at its worst. People who forget that always pay. Also on Netflix, A Nightmare on Elm Street from 1984. It's a masterpiece, pure and simple. And if for whatever reason you never sat down with it because you were worried it was cheesy or it's played out, you've heard too much about it, give A Nightmare on Elm Street a watch if you like horror. It's got this special effects I feel like still mostly hold up and they're still just very cool to look at. Uh, the way that especially the, the girl who's going up the wall and onto the ceiling while she's in the dream getting killed and she's spinning around in the air and blood's flying everywhere. Just cool stuff uh, that I've really never seen in other movies um, since then. Uh, and the acting is not a complete wash like it is in most horror movies. Uh, definitely A Nightmare on Elm Street is one of those need-to-see movies for a reason. And it's on Netflix now, so what better time to uh, watch it? And finally, one of my all-time favorite films, Mission Impossible from 1996 is on Netflix as well. The new Mission Impossible movie uh, just hit theaters uh, this week, so uh, why not go back to the first one and, and give it a watch? It's it is, I know I said that Nightmare on Elm Street was a masterpiece. This one is also a masterpiece. Once again, one of my favorite spy movies of all time. It's got so much energy, especially from Tom Cruise. The opening sequence into that classic theme song, Still gives me chills to this day. And the scene where Cruise comes down from the ceiling vent, infiltrating that locked-down CIA computer room. It's the one that you always you saw in the trailers for that movie and that you've seen in, in like clip shows that uh, mention this film. That scene is perfect. Um, and to me, there just really isn't anything I don't like about Mission Impossible. I've watched it a hundred times. And I'll probably watch it a hundred more before I die. So, uh, I-, I couldn't recommend Mission Impossible more if you like fun movies, spy movies. <laughs> All right, and before we close things down, let's get to some exciting coming attractions. Here are some exciting coming attractions from Paramount. Yes, as I said. All right, movies that are opening in theaters. I don't have anything that's opening for you this week that I want to talk about, but I do want to mention something that's going to be opening in November. That would be The Peanuts movie. This is one that I want to be I want to be really excited about this. When they announced it, I really wanted to be thrilled about it because to me Peanuts, the comic strip the specials that they used to do on television—I guess they still do them—but that they started doing back in the '60s. Those specials are some of the best things I feel like ever created in children's television um, and aimed at kids. They're just so smart, so classy. I mean, you don't see kids programming that is really classy, but Peanuts really was. And I don't know if this movie is this—the upcoming movie—is going to be like that. But when I hear the trailer and and I hear "All I Do Is Win" and all that kind of stuff, I just it really worries me about about this film, and as far as its cl- level of class and sophistication goes, because that's what Peanuts was was really about. It did not talk down to kids. Um, for this movie, also, I read an interview with Megan Trainer, who is playing some part in the film. She's she's going to be on the soundtrack. She cut a song. She's animated to look like a Peanuts character. But she did this brain dead interview with People Magazine about her song being on the movie soundtrack and having a possible appearance in the film. And from reading that interview, I swear to God, it seems like she doesn't even know anything about Peanuts, about the history of the franchise, anything. And she definitely didn't know that it was a comic strip, predominantly, not a TV cartoon show. She refers to it like it's a weekly TV show and says that her grandma watched it. Um, I'll just I'll read you an answer from this Q and A she did with People. Uh, they they asked her just a just a simple question were you a big peanuts fan growing up and she says my grandma always had it on she always had a lot of cartoons on i was super duper young but i do remember when the show was on it was huge i mean that's about as <laughs> about as big of a non answer as you can possibly get i mean it's not like they asked her to uh you know describe the history of nafta or something like that or to go back and talk about the uh driving forces behind america's involvement in world war ii they asked her were you a big peanuts fan she's working on the goddamn movie she's got up like a part in the damn movie she's right on the soundtrack and she doesn't know anything about it they didn't even prep her my grandma always had it on she always had a lot of cartoons on that doesn't exactly spell yeah i'm a peanuts devotee and that's why i got this gig i mean come on man uh, they asked her which character are you most like, uh, and Megan Trainer says, "I like charlie 's sister she 's a cutie, I also like the new girl. No one knows about her yet, but I do i can 't wait for everyone to meet her, and that is very concerning because that tells me that I feel like uh, she 's going to be in this damn movie and charlie 's sister, who the hell calls Charlie Brown Charlie?" Nobody's on a first-name basis with Charlie Brown. He is Charlie Brown. He's not Charlie, all right? And she didn't even know Sally's name. Sally Brown, come on. I'm just saying. This this whole thing just smacks of, like, a desperate appeal to little kids. And I guess it's what you have to do now, you know? But this movie could have appealed to the parents, could have been aimed at the adults, and I feel like it, it could have done really well still because the parents will take their kids to it. Um, and I've, just, I've got a real soft spot for Charlie Brown, and I love those specials. I love the music, the soundtrack. I mean, we're going from Vince Giraldi, this kind of music. That's actual music that was heard in the Christmas special to Megan Trainer. I'm just saying, Peanuts had meaningful messages and themes, and I'm just worried this is going to be a Despicable Me ripoff uh, aimed at you know kids that kind of talks down to them. So I don't know. There's still hope, but the Megan Trainor interview does not bode well for the Peanuts movie coming in November. All right. Uh, thank you very much for uh, tuning in. I-, I do want to urge you to go over to OverdueReview.com, read uh, all of our takes. We've got hundreds of them on uh, uh, movies, television shows, music from all eras. And uh, also check out my Summer Movie Power Rankings for 2015. I'm updating them live as I see every movie. So far, I've got uh, seven on there at last count, and uh, as the as time I'm recording this anyways. And I'm just wondering if anything is going to knock Mad Max Fury Road off the top of that perch. So go on, check it out, and compare how you felt about uh, uh, this summer's movies to the way I felt about some of them. I give you like a mini-review of each one. Uh, so thank you very much for listening to The Stream Police. Uh, subscribe us. Go on iTunes. Rate the show. Give us, uh, give us a five-star and uh, give us some nice comments there. Um, and also uh, take our listener survey at OverdueReview.com. Uh, just go to The Stream Police page. Uh, my email address, theclintdavis at gmail.com, T-H-E, clintdavis at gmail.com. And uh, Sedlak is at sedlakjournal at gmail.com, S-E-D-L-A-K, journal at gmail.com. And uh, once again, I'm movies and TV editor Clint Davis, so I want to uh, say thanks for our uh, music editor, Andy Sedlak, and I want to thank you very much for listening to the show. We'll talk to you uh, in a couple weeks, friends. The Stream Police Podcast is a production of OverdueReview.com. Since 2013, the staff at Overdue Review have written thoughtful, unpretentious opinions on hundreds of movies, TV shows, and music from every era. Overdue Review, better late.